the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Corinthians is an interesting book. You know, pointed out last week how Paul is beginning the chapter in that little short section. Actually, it's verses 1 through 9, where he really affirms the Corinthians and who they are. And that had to have been a priority because of what the Corinthians had allowed to happen in their worship and what they had allowed to happen in their personal lives. But Corinthians, a lot of people look at that book, those who have read through it and heard it preached, they look at it as a book where Paul sets people straight. It's about Paul, you know, righting the wrongs of the church. And no, it's not. What it's about is it's about Father God lovingly restoring his children. Lovingly restoring them. Because listen, you got to understand that that these people didn't even understand to some degree where the line between soul and spirit was. And they allowed themselves to cross that line by becoming man-centered, flesh-centered, and carnal in their practice. And what we read, when we read about that, we think about how God would react to that, and typically our emotion tells us, that God would come at them rather harshly and set them straight and, and lay them out. But that's really not the, the tone of the book. What you see here, particularly in the very first of it, and, and I'm making a lot of emphasis on this first nine verses because it is important for you to see the heart of the Father towards His children. It's important for you to see His perspective of them before we ever go into where they are in their behavior and what they're doing. Because if you don't understand that for the Corinthians, you probably don't understand it for yourself. And that allows you to walk around with degrees of separation depending upon your behavior, depending upon your thought life. And you know what? God is not willing that there be any separation. There isn't in reality, but he doesn't want there to be any separation in how we see ourselves and in our vision of our relationship with him. None. No separations. So last week we talked about some of the history of the church at Corinth. 
and the society that these believers were living in. And as I brought out, it was a wealthy city, but also an idolatrous and perverse one. The people of this fellowship, predominantly Gentiles, have been raised with and surrounded by all kinds of perversity and wickedness. And here's the thing, that was the accepted norm. You see, this sin-cursed world and the majority of its population are godless. We tend to forget that. They're godless, not just in their behavior, but in their nature. In who they are, they are godless. They have no love for God or a desire to know Him. They live to the level of morality that society imposes on them until they can lower it. The heart of man is wicked apart from God. And Paul describes the condition of the lost in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 says, Their moral understanding is darkened and their reasoning beclouded. They are alienated, estranged, self-banished from the life of God with no share in it. This is because of the ignorance, the want of knowledge and perception, the willful blindness that is deep-seated in them due to their hardness of heart, to the insensitiveness of their moral nature. In their spiritual apathy, they have become callous and past feeling and reckless and have abandoned themselves a prey to unbridled sensuality, eager and greedy to indulge in every form of impurity that their depraved desires may suggest and demand. Does that sound familiar? Does it? It ought to. Because it is a picture of of a society that is godless. Don't operate under the presumption that man apart from God is anything but wicked. Not so much in his behavior. As I said, they live to the morality that is imposed on them. But at the core of who they are. That's why we must be what? Born again. I want to remind you that this is not just a, the condition of an ancient idolatrous city. This is every man and woman who has never been born again. It's the birthright of the children of Adam. But wickedness and perversity have been promoted and legislated in our society. What you see described in Ephesians 4 was the normal state of the society of Corinth and sadly To many great degrees, it is the normal state of the society in the United States of America. So, as we pointed out last week, these believers were born again. But they were born again in the same way we were born again. They were born again into a life that was absolutely alien to the society around them. Their norm, as God had set the standard of righteousness in their very being, their norm was far and away apart from the world's norm. Their level of morality was far and away apart from the level of morality that the world lives to. There was a contrast at the very core of their being. Now here we come to a very simple determination. The word says that we are to live in the world, but not of the world. 
What that means is that we are to live to the truth of who we are, not to the societal norms, to man's norm, to flesh-centered thinking. We are to live to a new spiritual self that has God as its context, that has Christ as its context for being. This is a determination of faith that literally strikes us at every area of our living. We must make that determination in the home in regards to our spouse. We must make that determination in home in regards to how we raise our children. We must make that determination at home in regards to how we handle our neighbors. We also make it at work. We also make it out in the public. At every point there is a choice to be made. Am I going to live according to the truth that Christ has written in me? Am I going to live in accordance to the way God has created me as a new creation? Am I going to live in the way that I am suited to live as a child of God? Or am I going to try to implement a life of flesh that God has literally separated me from? That's the choice we make. Now, here's where it gets interesting. These people that we're talking about in Corinth were believers that Paul had spent over a year with discipling in truth, and he was very concerned for their growth, this little fellowship. But he has heard and is continuing to hear that they're, they're becoming increasingly carnal at Corinth and had even begun to incorporate their carnality into the functions of the church. They had begun to live according to the flesh. This is what Paul is hearing. This is what's being reported to him. So, now most of us have read at least some of, of Corinthians, and we've heard it preached, as I said earlier, and we, uh, we are aware of some of the religious distortions, some of the carnality, some of the heresy that was practiced. But we need to remember that all they did in Corinth is what many of us have been guilty of doing, and will be guilty again of doing, and that is they return to their societal norms. They return to living according to the flesh. That's what we're talking about here. You see, living according to the flesh is living in a way that doesn't regard God at all. That's the way they'd chosen to practice living. It's really kind of surprising at the beginning of Corinthians, as we pointed out last week, Paul refers to them as saints. But you know what? That's what Paul's favorite word for Christians. He does it over 50 times in the epistles. He refers to Christians as saints. We actually went through these verses last week, but I want to go through them again. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. It says, Paul, summoned by the will and purpose of God to be an apostle, special messenger of Christ Jesus, and our brother... Sosthenes, to the church assembly of God, which is in Corinth, to those consecrated and purified and made holy in Christ Jesus, who are selected and called to be saints, God's people, together with all those who in any place who call upon, or all those who in any place call upon, and give honor to the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours." 
Grace, favor, spiritual blessing be to you, and heart peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice, and we've said this before, that the Spirit of God always approaches us from our true identity. That's where He interacts with us. So, He doesn't come to us telling us what we need to become. He comes to us telling us what we are and how our behavior, our activity needs to match the truth of who we are. There's a difference. We believe, and many people teach, that the Spirit of God comes into your life holding the standard of Christ's righteousness before you and says, you should live like this. But not, not at all. The Spirit of God comes to you as a new believer, a child of God, and He points to the standard through which you were created. He points to who you are in Christ. And He says, this does not suit you. This is not becoming for a child of God. You were not created to live this way. This is sin, and sin is not what you were created for. Now, does he threaten to take away your citizenship? Does he threaten that if you don't get it straight, he's going to strike you dead? Does he do those things? Does he say, what does he say? Turn from it. That's what repentance is. Turn from it. Walk in truth. See yourself the way God sees you. And this is what Paul is doing. You're seeing this in the first nine verses. He's saying, look, this is you, Corinth. Corinthians, look, this is you. You are consecrated. You are holy. You are separated unto God. You are righteous. This is who you are. Remember? Before he ever goes down the road of what they should do. He begins, the Spirit of God begins to remind them of the truth of who they are. He begins, Paul begins by establishing that he is from God. Paul, an apostle, who was called of God. You know why he went there? I brought this out last week. He went there because he wants them to understand, and I want you to remember, that Paul's not speaking on behalf of himself. What he is saying, he is saying, as from God to them. This is what God is saying. Wouldn't it be a renewal to your soul? If God came in manifest form and said to you, You are my holy child. You are consecrated unto me. You have been purified. You are sanctified. You are precious to me. Wouldn't that just rock your socks? Well, that's exactly what he's doing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm Paul. I'm speaking on behalf of God. And I want to remind you of who you are. You are consecrated, purified, literally created to be holy. That is, created holy to be God's own. That's what that means. Then he assures them of God's heart towards them in verse 3. He says, you're in God's grace, His favor. And there is peace between you and God. Your Father, God, wants you to be at peace. Now Paul is writing to tell them to act in accordance to who they are. He has given you, God has given you a new source for your behavior. He has birthed you in righteousness Now, do not imitate the flesh. Do not surrender to the flesh. Surrender the flesh in order for the flesh to animate your spirit. 
That's what it's about. We're wearing an earth suit. What's that earth suit about? Well, it helps us function on this physical planet. But its main purpose is to animate the truth of you. That's its main purpose. That's what he's saying. Quit living as though your flesh is your truth. Allow your flesh, surrender your flesh to animate the truth. Paul is writing them to behave in accordance to their identity, not in accordance to the flesh. Now, these believers had the Spirit of God. They had it in abundance. They were not ignorant of truth. They knew that what they were doing was wrong. Do you understand that? They knew what they were doing was wrong. The issue here is not them having been tricked or falling into deception unawares. Listen to me. No Christian is dragged into sin unaware. The only way that happens is if you don't have the Spirit of God within you and then you're none of His. But no Christian is dragged into sin unaware. When are we deceived? When we want to be. That's when we are deceived. It's a slow process. We are in union with the very Spirit of God. We have in our new creation the standard of righteousness. We choose to be deceived. But it's kind of like when you cook a frog. The enemy of God turns up the heat a little bit at a time. But the problem with us is we stay in the pot. We're trying to get comfortable in the pot. And here's the typical Christian. He's in the pot. And it's getting hotter. Lord, could you turn the heat down just a little bit? It's not quite as comfortable. Lord, it sure is getting hot in here. But we stay in the pot according to our rebellion, according to our disobedience, according to our independence, according to our bitterness. We will stay in the pot. And one day we find ourselves cooked. That's not deception. That is stubborn pride that pulls us there. God has deliverance for us at any time that we recognize sin for what it is, we can jump out of the pot. No Christian is deceived. He chooses to be deceived. Now, if you were with Paul, and you got word that the fellowship that you'd evangelized and discipled for over a year was becoming increasingly carnal, what would you say? You might say, oh, if I'd only stayed with them just a little bit longer. If I had not have left. I mean, isn't that what you would say? I mean, I hear parents making this kind of statements. Oh, if only I'd been there. You know, if I'd just kept them at home just a little bit longer, they would have never done that. It's because they haven't grown up yet. It's just because they're immature. They have not grown up enough to be left alone. That's all the problem is. They're just not mature enough in the Lord. You think Paul said any of that? You think Paul sitting around thinking, Lord, I thought it was you that took me out of Corinth when you did. But apparently, I missed you on that. And because I missed you, all of these people are going carnal. Because I misinterpreted when I was supposed to leave. If I had only shared just one more truth with them, just one more insight, it would have saved them from going down this road. Well, now, that is distinctly human and fleshy. It's not 
God-centered. It is man-centered. Because what are we saying when we make those statements? I am their salvation. I am their savior. Lord, why didn't you allow me to be their salvation, their savior? Why didn't you leave me in that place? Listen, Paul doesn't see himself as being essential to anyone's spirituality. Wow. Paul, the apostle? Yes. Read his epistles, and you will find that he doesn't consider himself essential to anyone's spirituality. Christ and Christ alone. Christ and him crucified. Some say they're of Paul, and some of them say they're of Apollos. You hear him? He doesn't make himself essential to anybody's maturity or anybody's spirituality. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, I thank my God at all times for you because of the grace, the favor, the spiritual blessing of God which was bestowed on you in Christ Jesus so that in Him, in every respect... You were enriched in full power and readiness of speech to speak of your faith and complete knowledge and illumination to give you full insight into its meaning. Does it sound like it would have been better if Paul had stayed a little bit longer? Or does it sound like to you that Paul believes that they've received it all in Christ? I think he thinks they've got it all. And he says, I'm praying this for you. And notice this, and this is, I see this in my own life. Paul is not praying for them with a fixation on their sin. Do you notice that? I mean, he knows about it. Why isn't he listing all that out in his prayer? What he's saying is, I thank God. I thank God for the truth of their being in Christ. He thanks God that they live perpetually in God's grace because they are in Christ. Paul thanks God because they are in Christ. They have been enriched in every respect. They have the full power of the Spirit at work in them. Paul says, you were enriched. That's past tense. That means that even, now get this, this is going to turn your religious box upside down. But that means that even in the midst of gross carnality, these believers still possess the fullness of the Spirit of God. Wow. Well, now, I, I'm having a little problem with that. Isn't that strange? I would have thought that all of that was lost when they became man-centered and started living to the flesh. I figured the Spirit of God would pack his bags. At the very least, these people had to be unable to discern the Scriptures. They had to have lost all their discernment and ability to know God. And surely they were blind and they were deceived. Well, that's not what he says at all. It gets even more strange as the verse continues. They were enriched with power and readiness of speech. That is to speak of their faith and minister the truth and have complete knowledge and illumination. Wow. Does that mean that even in my carnality, I'm equipped to testify of my faith and my relationship with Christ? How is that possible? Listen, because their identity didn't change with their behavior, they are still in Christ. They are still living in the presence of God. 
They are still holy and consecrated and righteous. Because their identity did not change with their behavior. Take that home. Write it upon the loose leaf of your heart. Because it's the truth. Your behavior does not change your identity. It just literally causes you to walk away from all that God intends for you to experience in this life He calls abundant. That's what it does to you. Listen, God brings you to this place quite often. I can give you testimony after testimony of how I was walking in the flesh or after the flesh, not in the flesh, after the flesh. I was walking after the flesh in my heart, in my attitude, in my perspective. I was angry about something or I was bitter about something or whatever. And in the midst of all of that, I've got storming in my soul. Somebody comes to me and asks me to pray for them. And asks me for a word of truth. And asks me to counsel them on something. And guess what I have to do? I have to turn around and ignore the storm that I have helped create in my own soul and I have to yield to the truth of the Spirit of God in my center and He speaks truth to them. And I'm letting it come out of my mouth and I'm thinking, gosh, I really need to hear that. That's really healing for me. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.